Oh, didn't we have like a Super Bowl roundup last year? Yeah, we did. Or should we do that again? Yes, we should. Okay. Was it the ads? Yes. Is that why your Chromebook's there? No. Usually the second clap means the podcast starts. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name's John. And together we're Henry and John coming right at you, right in your ear holes. That was gross. Did you enjoy that? I did. I've, I've been wanting to start the pet, the podcast. <laughs> I've been wanting to start our episodes with more of like an in media res thing. So like we're in the midst of a conversation and then I just launch into the intro and uh, so that's what that, that lull of silence was. Oh, so, so that was the middle of a conversation. I often have large gaps of silence in the middle of my conversations. Yeah, I mean, come on. All conversations are just responding to stimuli. And what is silence but a form of stimulus? I see what he's doing now. He's putting a long gap of silence in this conversation to show how unnatural it is and to put like a weird period on how weird it was how i started this week's episode but unbeknownst to him i won't stop talking until he cuts me off although i did just say that out loud so maybe he would know by now that he needs to cut me off that he needs to cut me off that he's not cutting me off all right so what how is your weekend audience they can't respond to me because you're, you're still pausing. He's still pa- he's smiling and he's still pausing. Well, I got a little, I got a little, don't take your phone out. What? John, I'm sorry. I apologize for starting the episode in that manner. I'll never do it again. Is this a good enough? Ap- Wait, no, a good apology is you have to admit that you are wrong. So I was wrong. You have to apologize. I forget. But you have to commit to change, and so, yeah, I'll never start the podcast in that way again. There are four steps to a proper apology. I don't know them. You're right. It is just a reaction to stimulus, and what is silence if not the greatest stimuli? I'm sorry, were you were you doing a thing? No, it's fine, John. It's okay, great. Cool. It's great. great. I'm, I'm glad that we're on the same page and wavelength. I don't, I don't, you know... How was your weekend, John? My weekend was pretty good. Let me tell you what happened on my weekend. All right. So, uh, as everyone is aware, the weekend has two days. <laughs> yes. Traditionally. Well, uh, traditionally in the Western culture, which I think we are. Are we Western or Eastern? We are Eastern. Why am I talking so fast? Now, let me slow down. We're absolutely Western. But also, the Earth is round, so wow. Traditionally in our side of the world culture. <laughs> yes. The weekend is two days. So on my Saturday, I don't remember what I did. I think it was pretty good. And then on my Sunday, I think I may have eaten on Saturday. I'm not sure. And then my Sunday, let me tell you, it was pretty great. I went to a Goodwill. That's a That can't be true. Goodwill's closed on Sunday. Hold on. You're thinking of Chick-fil-A. Yes. I went to Chick-fil-A. No. 
I went to Goodwill on Saturday. Ooh, I bought a bunch of... I bought Mona Lisa Overdrive and I bought Neuromancer. I bought this really cool Chinese Michael Jackson DVD. I have to show you that Chinese Michael Jackson DVD. Anyway, on Sunday... Let me tell you what I did on Sunday. I did not go grocery shopping like I planned, but then I watched some football. Did you... Watch some football on a Sunday? I did. Football Sunday, I believe they call it. They call it Football Sunday, and I believe Super Deluxe released a delightful little video that asked if everyone was ready for the football on the Sunday. I was pretty ready, though it turned out I was unprepared. Oh, why? What makes you say that? Because I did not know the rules. Oh, you didn't know the rules of the football? Yeah, I really don't. Alright, so in case you're lost, or you just don't watch football, which not a lot of people do, it turns out. Yeah, I think like 9.7 million people gave up on it because they're babies. Wait, what? They You, you have a statistic of the people who gave up on it? Yeah, the... No, no, no. It's not 9.7 million people. I think it's like 9.7% viewership drop during the Colin Kaepernick knee thing. Oh, you mean of the NFL? Yeah. Not of all football. I thought of course, you were... everyone kept watching the one where everyone uh, takes heed to their masters, which is college football. What are you saying? Because, look, the people in the NFL, if they lose their careers, whatever, they're millionaires already. People in, in the NCAA, they have to do whatever their coaches tell them to because that's their whole career. They're not millionaires. That's, that's true, but let's just back up. No, I'm just saying, these damn millionaires in the NFL, what do they have to lose? Their entire career. Yeah? What's that? Okay, you you make a point that they're millionaires. Do you know how many of them still have money five years after they retire? Very few. Very, very few of them. Because there's not a comprehensive financial education for athletes. That, and they don't, it's not like they require them to pay into a retirement plan, so they have no retirement. That's true. It, honestly, it's like they give them millions of dollars and say, we don't care what you do with it. We just want you at practice in two two months. You just got to buy a bunch of Papa John's franchises. That's what uh, What's-His-Face Jones did. No, oh, Peyton Manning. There you go. Wait, is Peyton the older one? Peyton is, yes. He, Wise Peyton. Manning the elder. He's actually the middle child? I don't know. Not, not all the people know that. Oh, of course he is the middle child to his older brother, Grand Manning. I don't remember his name, but he was the greatest potential Manning of all time. Only in college football, he had a, a career-ending injury, and this oh. is the true story. That's amazing. There is a third, an oldest, an eldest, if you will, uh, Peyton brother, <laughs> Manning brother, that no one remembers because he had a career-ending injury. That's fascinating. Yeah. Football's fascinating. The human story. Is football the human story? Is football a weird, gross perversion of the human story? That's a... <laughs> that's... But what is the human story but perversion? You're right. Devil Man Cry, baby. I, I, no one has watched it. Everyone I mention it to, no one has watched it. That's fine. Don't. At your recommendation, no one has watched it. I can't even convince my girlfriend to watch it because you said not to watch yeah, it. Yeah, it, just to be clear, it did not come at my recommendation. I simply made you aware that it exists. Like someone telling you about a disease that there is. <laughs> that there is. What is the opposite of a recommendation? Uh, the opposite of a recommendation, a stern 
no. A warning? A, yeah, a warning. A, a cautionary tale. A cautionary tale. A cautioning. All right, so let's back up. Yes. We watched These the damn su- millionaires <laughs> in their ivory plast houses. No, we watched the Super Bowl on Sunday. That that was the whole shebang about what we just did for the past oh, five minutes. Oh shit! I just got it. Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday. I th- I just thought those were words. I thought they were meaningless. No, John. They they may, they refer to the championship game of the end. Why am I explaining this to you? You're a grown man. Super Bowl Sunday, the biggest game of the year. Yeah. It's got all the advertisements. Very expensive advertisements. Very expensive. I believe I quoted you guys that it was 30 sec, for 30 seconds, it was 7.7 million. Yeah. It turns out it was around 5 million, not 7.7. Okay, so cheaper. A bargain at any price. Yeah, bar, well, no, not at any price. It's, it's specifically 5 million for 30 seconds. Hey, a bargain at any price is what I say. And so with that $5 million, you think, man, that's a lot of money to drop on an advertisement. Do you think, and this is a question my dad asks me, do you think you drop that much money for 30 seconds, what is your budget for your ad? It can't be that high. Considerably less. Because, I mean, you watch those ads. And they're most of them are not good. Yeah, most of them aren't great. And, I mean, I guess the ad, if it costs $5 million... Oh, man, are you going to do, like, a whole Game of Thrones episode in 30 seconds? No. You're going to try. You're going to try your darndest if you're Bud Light. Yeah, you're going to be like, oh, dilly dilly. Now, okay, I don't like the dilly dilly thing, and I don't like Bud Light, but hear me out. I don't like it. (laughs) Wait, so your point is you don't like it, but hear you out, you don't like it? No, my point is, when I first saw the, like, dilly dilly commercial thing, I thought it was, like, all supposed to be set in, like... The Dark Ages or whatever. Yeah, but then... I did not realize it was a fantasy universe. It's a fantasy universe. Not everything with quaff, with, with coifs and gorgets has to be fantasy. Why can't we just have a, a hard retelling of Dark Ages European history through the lens of Bud Light? Um, probably because no one would watch it. It's just because of Game of Thrones. That's that's honestly what it is. People like Game of Thrones. People like Bud Light. They keep telling us. And so if you marry the two in this weird thing, but that still doesn't explain where dilly dilly comes from. It means nothing. Yep. It is a nothing phrase. Yep. That's, that's the that, worst thing. You can't just you can't just come up with something. I feel like I missed some of these commercials. You can't just come up with an empty phrase and put it in your commercial and then have it go viral. It's only viral with people who are watching the NFL, which is at a record lows. I uh, I learned that Dilly Dilly exists for the first time. Oh, yeah? Maybe months and months after those ads started. Because I was like, I have no exposure to cable or football or any of this stuff. Like, Gener- I, I don't get it. Generally how it goes... For the big sponsors of the NFL is that they do an advertisement campaign that lasts the entire season. And at various points during the season, so like the first eight weeks, you show your setup commercial. The next eight weeks, you show like a continuing sort of advancement of the like uh, installments in the same universe of that commercial. 
And then the Super Bowl, you use that as sort of like your big finale. So it's kind of like an entire season of commercial. So what you're telling me is that there's a Dilly Dilly Cinematic Universe. There's a Dilly... The DDCU. There's a Dilly Dilly Commercial Universe. And, and honestly, you can, you, can, you can follow it. There's not like a plot line. It's kind of like an episodic thing where you just wait for them to say Dilly Dilly and then you realize, oh... Okay, this is another Bud Light commercial or whatever, and whatever. I just Look, don't care anymore. All art has merit, I believe. No. All all art exists for a reason. No. Anyway, here's what I believe. What do you believe? If you make art, if it's commercial art or regular art, and the only, the only thing it can hope to do is make someone go, Oh, don't make it. Don't make the dilly dilly art. Don't make the thing where the only thing people go is like, oh, it's part of that thing. Yeah, I, I fucking dumb. Watching the commercials this year, one thing has become extremely apparent to me, and that is the people making commercials are completely out of touch with the viewership and with people in general. I sat there for these commercials. And I don't think I've seen any other Super Bowl that springs immediately to mind. Granted, ads from the Super Bowl are things that you see once. They leave you immediately. Yeah, they're pretty... They're, they're, the, they're the, one of the most fleeting examples of, like, cultural exposure that we have. You might talk about them for the week after, if that, around the water cooler at work. But other than that, it's kind of like a Snapchat of culture. And I think that the ones this year are some of the most uh, self-congratulatory, braggy, out-of-touch, unfunny, and just, in a lot of cases, distasteful garbage that I think I've ever seen for a Super Bowl. Yeah, a, a word that's being thrown around with a few of them is tone-deaf. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, the one that used the Martin Luther King speech to try to sell trucks. I just want to do like a quick, like, in-audio recommendation. I don't know how you can find this on the internet, but someone took that ad where Martin Luther King's speech is over trying to sell trucks, and they removed that audio and overlaid another speech that he was giving about the evils of commercialism, talking about how we try to sell trucks to each other. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, peep, that's it, the natural thing to do is you track down the same speaker saying something against the product and overlay it as a statement to the company this is how tone deaf you are. I mean, did they think that the... We could make a whole episode talking about how awful an idea it is to make an MLK ad for... What were they? Dodge trucks? I don't know, because I didn't want to validate the maker. That's fine. Uh, we could make a whole episode about how garbage and awful that is. But uh, we could also uh, not and not give them the time of day. Yeah. But, like, what did you expect to happen? Did you expect people to be like, oh, inspired. The words of Mr. King plastered on this shiny truck. Thanks. I, I, honestly, there's no, there's no, what is the word? Like, logical connection between the two? It, you know, it would be, nothing that Martin Luther King Jr. said has any bearing on this truck or how good this truck is how sturdy or reliable, whatever the truck is. There's no cognitive association there. Look, I just, I have a dream where one day people will be judged 
not by the color of their paint, but by the content of their carry capacity. Look, all I want to say is there are two ways of countering injustice. One way is to smash the head of the man who perpetrates injustice and to get your own head smashed in the process. The other way is to listen to Zero Credit's podcast. What is that? Oh, that is from On Civil Disobedience by Mohandas Gandhi. Oh, I see. Uh, so is, is that, is that, is that coming back? Well, no, all I'm saying is, all strong people in the world adopt this course, and that course is, of course, listening to Zero Credits Podcast. Mohandas Gandhi said it first, and on July 27th, 1916. And I think said it best. I did this as a joke to highlight, you can't use the words of people who are, who, famous people, who have passed, to sell your product. Yeah. It will never ring true. Ever. The, Though I can give it, I can give it a quick shot. Let me see. Oh, you're gonna continue this this crazy little experiment. I just want to see if if maybe we have one in here, or maybe it will relate to zero credits. Okay, let's see. Uh, one who resorts to it does not have to break another's head. He may merely have his own head broken by listening to zero credits. He has to be prepared to die himself, suffering all the pain of listening to zero credits. In opposing the atrocious laws of the government of South Africa, it was this method that we adopted at zero credits. Um. We made it clear to the said government of zero credits that we would never bow to its outrageous laws. No clapping is possible without two hands to do it, and no quarrel without two persons to make it on the podcast known as Zero Credits. Uh, I see. I don't. I. I think maybe that's not on brand. I don't think we're a government of any sort, and we certainly don't put any sort of rule over any sort of people. We will never obey them at zero credits. Award us for it what punishment you like. We will put up with it. Send us to prison, zero credits, and we will live there in a paradise. I. Just, I still don't feel like this is a message we want our listeners to hear. We're, we're not trying to imprison anyone. We're just trying to get them to listen to the podcast. We will gladly die and will not so much as touch you or listen to your podcast known as Zero Credits. This is not good branding, John. This is an anti-advertisement. But so long as there is yet life in these our bones, we will never comply to listening to your podcast. Well, I, I feel like it maybe tracks. I don't know if that's on brand. I, I feel like we want people to listen. I don't, and, and not under any sort of duress. I mean, it's it's right there in the words. Oh, so just don't use dead people's words to sell your product. I, I I think I think that's a very easy sort of, unless it's like Henry Ford and you're selling Fords. That's an exception because it's his company. Or you know, come up with new words. Kind of as a people, maybe just agree to come up with keep keep coming up with good new words. I feel like so there there's been a switch in advertisements, and the best the best way to examine that switch is to look at the Super Bowl. So how many commercials this year featured you know the old adage "sex sells"? Very few, almost none. Compare that to like five years ago, and you got all those Go Daddy commercials. Yeah. Which relied on models and skimpy outfits or what have you wearing company names and suggestive places. And you can see that 
what this Dodge or I, I don't know whoever truck commercial trying to appeal to this weird sense of justice and activism. These commercial – these advertisers are keen in on this this cultural switch that I don't think a lot of people are examining. Is this – we're not valuing what we used to value or, or the, the masses who that buy trucks aren't valuing skimpy bikinis anymore. They're valuing virtue signaling. So maybe we at some point have given up in the the past year or two – We've given up in advertising pornography and have sought profundity pornography. But I feel like at a glance, that's not true. Because the most successful ads all have one thing in common. They're funny. Yeah. Humor sells. Humor sells better than any of this market research bullshit. Or maybe humor is a product of the market research bullshit and it's just the younger companies that are getting in on it. And I mean, I think that there's a, there's an argument to be made that one of the truest forms to advertise is with humor. Yeah. So you look at like what Amazon did with Alexa losing her voice and then they get a bunch of like celebrity replacements to replace her and they're not equipped to do it because they're celebrities or whatever. It's funny. It's, you know, not laugh out loud funny, but it's like, oh, that's a good concept. Yeah. And so now, I mean, I'm not going to buy an Alexa, but I can appreciate the attempt to entertain and sell at the same time rather than valueless virtue signaling that's tone deaf. It's it's not like someone went, hey, Alexa, what's the weather in Austin? Alexa was like, no voice. I'm like, oh, no, Alexa has lost her voice. We found the one person who can give her a voice back, Martin Luther King Jr. That Yeah, see, that would be completely tone deaf and it wouldn't work. I mean... It's like there's a weird balance you need to strike for a good Super Bowl commercial between humor, celebrity guest, and product. So basically an episode of Saturday Night Live. Basically an episode of Saturday Night <laughs> Saturday Night Live from like 20 years ago. Yeah, no, not a new one. Because you look at the one of the Jeep commercials, the one with Jeff Goldblum in it specifically, so it's got a it's got a celebrity guest. Uh-huh. It's got a product. Uh-huh. But the humor isn't quite there. It falls flat. Yeah, I feel like for a lot of Super Bowl ads, I guess just ads in general, you just see the animus of those ads so easily because someone's like, ah, Jura, what do people like? Uh, uh, they like the movie Armageddon. Uh, well, what movie is coming out? Uh, Jurassic World or whatever. Uh, let's put Jeff Goldblum in it. What yeah. are we selling? Jeeps? There was a Jeep in Jurassic World. Put him in the Jeep. There's a, whatever. Who ha- cares? Have him chase the T-Rex because the T-Rex chased him and we want to, we want to show off the power of our Jeep. Yeah. Show off the power of our Jeep and we want to also make it clear that this is an inversion and should be funny. Dumb. But then it ends with the, you know, the, the, the girl at the window, the sales, sorry, the car salesperson at the window. And she's like, do you want to take it on a test drive? And he goes, I already did. Yeah. Right. Better. It's not even scripts. a joke. Yeah, it's not even a joke. It's not, it's nothing. It's not even a joke. So, so to compare to that, the Squarespace ad with Keanu Reeves, you know, not as much humor. You got the celebrity, but then no product. Yeah, because he was just like riding on a motorcycle and he's just like saying words. And it's cool. Like he actually, like the the stunt he did, he actually did. Nice. He actually did the surfing motorcycle thing. And there was someone released a picture of him practicing for it, like not moving. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that makes me think he actually did it. I don't know. 
I, don't, I mean, it's Keanu Reeves. He's down. Yeah, but but you don't really show off the ad that much. And then, I mean, I guess you don't need humor if it's cool. Yeah. If it's cool, yeah, that's that's how people work. We're funny because we're not cool. If we were cool, we wouldn't have to be funny. Yeah. And if you're cool and funny, you're Jeff Goldblum. Or you're Ryan Reynolds, and we all despise you while envying your life. Ryan Reynolds is different, though, because he's cool, and he's funny, and he's extremely attractive. And he's extremely wholesome, and we hate him. So basically, Ryan Reynolds, we hate you. And if you ever want to come on the podcast, we're open to it. If this podcast gets 15 retweets, Ryan Reynolds will be on the podcast. (laughs) Oh, yeah, okay. So, now we get to talk about the best balances of of humor, celebrity guest, and product. Okay. And, of course, you're already looking at it. I am. But the the Crocodile Dundee fake movie trailer slash Australian ad campaign is one of the best examples of it. I have... Uh, I have thoughts about this. All right. To me, the Crocodile Dundee trailer uh, lead up, the campaign, if you will, is two things. One, I really appreciate its dedication, uh, its kind of value to what it was trying to do, its production values, the level of acting, the music. It made me think it would be fascinating if there is a company out there that just made movie trailers for movies that don't exist. Because every piece of footage that they got to make all the trailers for this fake movie looks like it's out of a movie that's just kind of bad. Yeah. No, it, it looks like it's out of one of your B-rate comedies that, you know, TBS airs to no end. Like, it's so perfectly couched in this, like, post-hangover R-rated comedy world. It is tremendously well-made, has a really good payoff, and is, of all things, an ad for Australian tourism. The thing that gets me about the campaign is the one the, the commercial they aired during the during the Super Bowl isn't even the best commercial they shot. They shot multiple commercials. They're all over the place. The the, the actual like fake trailers that they shot made it made me want to see that movie that doesn't exist. So that leads me into the second thing that it is. All right. Uh very disconcerting to me on an ideological level because I was so duped by an ad that I legitimately wanted the movie to be real. Did you get angry because you found out that it's not real? I did. Once once people let me know that it wasn't happening after what I had seen, I was kind of bummed out. It looked well made. What gets me, what, what, what I think this tells us is that the commercial was made, obviously, with a lot of love. You have a lot of Australian actors... And they get to talk about their home country and, like, put it in a, in a good light using, the like, the culture that they have. I mean, I don't know if Australia, on a typical day, is proud of Crocodile Dundee. It's tough to say. But in this moment, it's kind of like they got to reclaim it for a positive message about, hey, come visit Australia. And they got They got pretty much every big Australian actor that I can think of in the mix for this. I mean, they got Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. They got Russell Crowe. Yep. Nicole Kidman. Yep. Apparently, Issa... F- What's her name? Fisher? Yes. What? The redhead from Arrested Development Season 4. Oh. Uh, 
Doesn't matter. They got both Hemsworths. Both of them. Baby and real Thor. Yeah. Was Margot Robbie? Margot Robbie. Yeah, because she's Australian. Paul Hogan. Paul Hogan. Big, big get right there with Paul Hogan. Because it's just cool that he's in it. It's oh, yeah. cool they thought it was a good idea. But also, boy, this commercial does that thing that I said the Jeff Goldblum commercial did badly. Because it has an inversion at the end that it not only is really effective at making you want to go to Australia, it also turns this idea of uh, kind of this archetypical Australian stereotype movie on its head and turns into, hey, Australia's pretty cool. Yeah. Australia's more than tarantulas. Is it? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, if you watched the but, ad. But but I think the point that I'm, I was trying, that I'm getting at is we haven't really seen a movie with a, a, like a regional or a country identity in a very long time. And I, I feel like Australia, besides Australia, the movie Australia, yeah. I feel like a comedy suits Australia more so than a very dramatic piece about – I never saw the film Australia, so I'm, I'm just assuming I saw a trailer. It's about a battleship that explodes. I don't know. I think Australia is maybe a comedy. I'm not sure. Never seen it. I don't think it is. Maybe it's like a soft comedy. No, I think it's a very serious drama. Okay. All I can say is I feel like if they don't do – if they don't continue on with the same people and do Son of Crocodile Dundee – then they're making a big mistake. But also, what if that kills the magic? It, it no, it would one hundred percent kill the magic. But what but if, they 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 have earned it. They they're honor bound. And you know who could direct? Oh, the uh, the New Zealand director Takaaki. Oh, uh, nope, that's not his name at all. Taika Waititi. What did I say? Taikawaititi. Taika Waititi. Yeah, Taika Waititi. You know, because that would be fitting. Yeah, just get a... <laughs> a completely different country <laughs> yeah. that doesn't like being compared to Australia. Let him direct it. it yeah, would be... it's fine. And he could he could put in his little bits. It'd be, you know, the little bits he does. His funny little bits. Yeah, it's his little... And he's got a Thor. He already did a Thor. Make a little bits. Yeah, I mean, I feel like him and, and, and Chris Worth, Chris Hemsworth... Are really tight now. Yeah, now that he did a Thor. Look, just here's my plea. If this podcast gets 15 retweets, Taika Waititi do a little bit. And then come on our podcast and validate us. Join us with uh, Paul Rudd. Nope. Other guy. No, Paul Rudd is only 10 retweets. <laughs> 10 retweets for a Paul Rudd, 15 for a Ryan Reynolds, 30 for a Hugh Jackman. You keep saying retweets. There needs to be an original tweet for them to retweet. Oh. So someone's going to have to write, write a tweet. Yeah, someone out there, can you write a tweet to both Ryan Reynolds and uh, uh, Sean White? Who's the other guy we talked about? Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. Okay, can, whoever's out there, no matter what occurs, stay alive. Also, can you pen a tweet to Ryan Reynolds, Taika Waititi, and Sean White... Telling them that if that tweet gets 15 retweets, they will appear on our podcast. Tell them we're in Austin. It's There's touristy stuff here. Yeah, and warn them that we record out of my studio apartment so it's not like, I don't know, the the most comfortable of environments. This I don't know. Mark Marin does it at, I don't know if he still does. He did his podcast out of his garage, so I, I, I feel like... I feel like the precedent has been set. All I'm saying is if you were willing to be on Mark Marin's 
shit show operation. There's no reason not to come to zero credits. I'm looking at you, ex-president Obama. Mark Marin is one of the most well-respected podcasts in the business. I'm just saying that he runs it out of his garage. Yeah, and I see you're, like, putting air quotes, runs it out of his garage. I see what you mean. No, I get it. I didn't... Okay. This all brings us to the clear winner of the Super Bowl ads, who who nailed the balance between humor and celebrity and product, and that's Tide. Tide did it. I don't... Forbes, for some reason, has them listed as number three, and that's clearly wrong. Oh, who's number one? Number one was still good. Oh, maybe we'll talk about number one later. But, but I, I feel like we should give Tide its moment in the sun. Yeah, let's give Tide its moment in the sun. Number one, really great for Tide to come back after everything that's happened to Tide recently. <laughs> and one of those things where it's, it's like they can't control what happens to their brand or product. All they can do is plan out an ad campaign, an ad spot for the Super Bowl. They couldn't predict the Tide Pods thing was going to be as stupid and dumb as it was. So it's great that they didn't pull any of their commercials. Yeah, and they they made the funniest commercials by far. The best ones with David Harbour, friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. If we get five or eight, we actually wait. He actually he, he's more expensive than five. Yeah, he he's his brand has gone up. His brand has gone up because he, he posed for high 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 school yearbook pictures, and I feel like he he either officiated a wedding or offered to for 125k. Oh man. So to get him on our podcast, I feel like we would need more than 5. Okay, so more than f- man. That's tough though because that's some crazy Twitter delta. He's moved a lot. He's you know, he might be out of our price range. I I feel like we should settle for Ryan Reynolds. Let's settle for the Reynolds. And let me tell you one thing, it's true what they say about David Harbour, he's the Bitcoin of Twitter. What? His value goes up and down like crazy. Man, we had an opportunity, Henry, to buy two hundred David Harbors back when they were just like two retweets. And now and, and now we could have been millionaires. Yeah, we, we really missed out on that opportunity. But what makes the Tide ads so great? Uh, what makes the Tide ads so great? Number one, David K. Harbor. What's the K stand for? I don't know, Kevin. It's legitimately his middle initial. But it's got to be more than just a celebrity guest because the uh, the Jeep commercial did so poorly. It, it's more than celebrity. It is. It's a meta commercial. It, it exists on top of all other Super Bowl commercials because the statement that it makes at the top is if there are clean clothes in the ad, it might as well be a Tide ad. Who's telling you that it isn't? You're right. And and he he keeps butting into various kinds of commercials that one would expect to see during the Super Bowl to be like, nope, Tide ad. So the... So repetition. Repetition. And the statement being... You know, going forward, any of these could be a tie, which is clever. Yeah. And then it delivers more than you anticipate by infecting future commercials. Exactly. Like the, they introduced a concept at the top of the the show, and and then they they make good on that promise that hey, you know, we're gonna surprise you, and you're gonna think. Another car commercial? Nope, it's a tie ad. Yeah, they they did this really great job of setting your expectations, 
paying off and then continuing to pay off in increasingly surprising ways. So much so that sometimes I thought ads were going to be a tight ad and they were greatest marketing move just to prove that this worked. I was disappointed when I wasn't watching a tight ad marketing geniuses. It, it's interesting because they tapped into something that people who make memes have been doing for years on the internet where they set up and you can see this like the, a good example is on Reddit, the, the subreddit YouTube haiku where you see sort of like the setup of something completely unrelated and that's interrupted by the joke or the meme. Yeah. And, and so this tight ad thing was this, you know, that exact formula done with their branding and with David K. Harbour. <laughs> is his middle name really starts? I think it starts with a K. That's what he is on Twitter. All right. Um, and, and each time it's surprising and that, that it, you're, delighted to be in on the joke yes it 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 alights you in such a such a great way because it it really like makes you feel engaged in the viewing experience uh there was like a truck a truck ad with vikings in it whatever it wasn't good i very much thought that was going to be a tide ad i see i i feel like i feel like the viking truck commercial was a bit too clever and you would have to know the history, not the history, yeah. but the recent history in the NFL because the Vikings were in the contention to go to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. They lost out to the Philadelphia Eagles. And so the commercial has the Vikings realizing they're not playing. And so they turn around. Mm-hmm. I think that's what one of my writing professors would say too clever by a half. Yes, I would say so. Uh, and Probably my favorite Tide ad. They just took the Clydesdales. They just took the, Bud- <laughs> the Budweiser Clydesdales. Showed a Clydesdale horse. You knew exactly what was happening. Then you just, you just heard someone go, beautiful. Cut to David Harbour. Nope, Tide ad. <laughs> nope, Tide ad. And then it was, you know, a snap cut. Yeah. Like, you don't, we don't need to dwell on it anymore. Like, it's just boom, Tide ad. We're yeah, out. None of the jokes overstayed their welcome with the Tide stuff. It's great. It was great. And it, it makes me... I, I've never seen David K. Harbour in a comedic position, mm-hmm. but I, I, I'm confident now that he's got comedic timing. He's got comedic timing in that he is uh, a rare talent in that as long as he's being just kind of uh, schlubby and grouchy, couldn't be funnier. Yeah. Could not be funnier. So when they remake Married with Children... <laughs> no, it wouldn't work. He, because, but what not? Al Bundy is very curmudgeon and slouchy. It wouldn't work because that's, that's his thing. David, David Harbour's thing is being that way juxtaposed to everything else. So he can't. Unflappable. He can't be the center focus. He has to be in a crazy situation. Yes. So we make the kids. From Stranger Things. No, no, no. Oh. In our reboot with Married with Children. With David K. Harbour as Al Bundy, the kids have to be, like, aliens. Yeah, so they have to be searching for a mystery from a different dimension. Oh, Stranger Things. Yeah. My favorite part of every podcast is when you... (laughs) When you sing a theme song, but (laughs) you don't exactly put effort into it. What? That's as hard as I can sing. (laughs) Banana-na-na-na. 
Yeah, that's as far as I can sing. You know what my least favorite Super Bowl commercial was? What? Uh, the one for Mountain uh, Mountain Doritos. Oh, the one for Doritos. The one with that's not his name. Peter Dinklage. Yeah, Peter Dinklage. Mouth mouth singing. Yeah, he's he's uh mouth singing a Busta Rhyme song. Lip syncing. Yeah, lip singing. To Busta Rhymes. Busta and then, Rhymes. And then just when you think it's over. Oh, uh, just when you think finally the commercial has finally ended. Morgan Freeman is lip syncing. Uh, a Missy Elliott song. Missy Elliott. And it's supposed to be fire because the new Doritos make you spit fire. Uh-huh. Get it? Uh-huh. And then Mountain Dew's cold. <laughs> yeah, it's cooled cooling, cooling, cooling ice. Well, Forbes says you're wrong. Oh, does Forbes say it's the best? Forbes says that's the best commercial. Why? I have a counterpoint to Forbes. What? Uh, I think that... Hear me out. The Martin Luther King truck ad, historically bad. Yes. This is almost worse. What? What? Okay, so let's go back to our formula, our balance... It's got celebrity guests. Yeah, it's got celebrity guests. There's some humor there with the makes you spit fire. Uh, yeah. Because the chip is spicy and he's rapping, which uh-huh. the kids say is you're spitting sp- in that hot fire sp- family. Spitting that hot fire family. And you've got the product because it's the chips that make him do the singing. Uh-huh. So that seems like it's perfect. What about our, what, what, what other factor is being contributed to that equation to make it bad. Oh, the downfall of human society. What? Hear me out. This is almost one of the worst ads I've ever seen. Because it is everything that is wrong with what people are being forced to like. It's a celebrity lip sync battle. It's pointless garbage. Nothing being created. The only thing that is worth noting about this commercial is that it's a celebrity who's doing a funny thing to a song somebody else wrote. Like, it it contributes nothing. There's not a single thing about that commercial that is worth talking about whatsoever other than the fact of how vacuous it is. So to put this in perspective for our listeners, whereas the Tide ad is commenting on commercials, the nature of commercials... And, like, commenting on what you expect to see and surprising you with something different. There's a discussion we can have about that. The Doritos commercial is not contributing any fruitful discussion in that manner. It's not commenting on itself or other commercials. It's just spectacle for the sake of spectacle. Yeah, it's just a company throwing millions of dollars at a problem. And that problem is, how can we make something so worthless... That it is a detriment to human society. And they solve that problem by making something that is effectively celebrity lip sync battle with uninspired musical choices. With, of course, I mean, awesome that Peter Dinklage gets work. I love Peter Dinklage. Awesome that there's no one in that commercial I dislike. I like Morgan Freeman a lot. I like Peter Dinklage a lot. I love Missy Elliott. I love Busta Rhymes. I love all those people. I'm glad they got paid millions of dollars for that ad. However... The fact that the only noteworthy feature of that ad is it's ha-ha-ha celebrities are lip-syncing to a song. How crazy is that? That's what you don't like about it. Yes, I hate that it's a, a waste of time. I hate that it's a waste of time that creates nothing. 
So the fault then is not with anyone within the commercial. It's with the the designer of the ad. Yeah, whatever, whatever. It, a human being didn't even come up with that. Like a human being did not sit down. You don't even need them. You don't even need them. You just look at like Google searches or Twitter trends, plop the word Doritos in there and make an ad. It's like, oh, let's. What are people talking about? What are people? Uh, Game of Thrones. Who's in that? Peter Dinklage. Uh, Doritos. Uh, rap. Who cares? Who cares? Whatever. This ad took fifteen seconds to come up with. I'm. Con- I one rebuttal. Yes. Morgan Freeman isn't big right now. Morgan Freeman is always big. No, that's a common misconception. Okay. Morgan Freeman was big ten years ago. He's okay. actually faded out quite a bit. I still think Morgan Freeman's absolutely a household name. He's a household name, but he's skewing older now. He's doing a bunch of bucket list and, and, you know, before I die movies. He's no longer, it's been 10 plus years since Wanted. And that was the last action movie he was in. I mean, that's fine, but he's still, he's still the butt of a joke. He's, he's still like a, a thing that people talk about all the time. People still like make Morgan Freeman jokes He's still firmly planted in the zeitgeist. Name one Morgan Freeman joke. Uh, March of the Penguins. <laughs> that was that was a good joke he just did. All right, but 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 I don't know why I'm trying to defend this. I actually didn't like this commercial. I I enjoyed it from a purely entertainment perspective. It was a good spectacle, and I don't think it aimed to, to be anything more. I mean, at the end of the day, it's trying to sell corn chips and and corn soda. What what value are we supposed to get out of it other than this? This is the quality of the corn chip, and this is the quality of the corn soda. I mean, uh, sure, as something that's selling, you know, if you think about it, what it's giving you. And what it's giving you in terms of art and what's giving you in terms of product, basically the same thing, which is poison. So, so both the product and and the advertisement will kill your, your body and then your mind. Yeah, because thank God that the people at Mondo Foods, who makes Doritos and... The, the same company, I don't know who owns it. It's probably Corn. Yeah, the corn company. Big corn. Yeah, whoever made that, they they did a great thing because they made an ad that not only occupies your brain and fills it with unnecessary things and makes it die faster, they're also giving you food that fills you with unnecessary things and makes you die faster. So is big corn's goal to kill people? (laughs) Yes, and turn their bodies into corn. Wow. Wow, it comes full circle. It does, the circle of life. I hate that ad. I hate that ad a lot. So uh, just a question for you personally. When I said we could talk about the Super Bowl and you said you had a thing, is this what you were referring to? No, I had no idea what I was referring to in that moment. Oh, I, so so the hatred of this advertisement was not what you were... No, the hatred of this advertisement is unprompted. Oh, wow. A few honorable mentions. Ones that I particularly liked. Yes. The M&M commercial with Danny DeVito. I like that one. Danny DeVito asking people to eat him, getting it weird with it. Well, yeah, but it's just because, you know, the Billy West character of the red M&M, I don't know if you know that, but Billy West voiced him. Oh, Fry from Futurama. Yeah, Fry from Futurama, for those who couldn't understand John's yawn language. Uh, He's been afraid of people eating him. This is a classic thing. We've seen it in commercials before. 
he went on a date once with a woman, and she he thought she was into him, and she was just really into eating him, eating him because he's made of chocolate. So this was a good cathartic moment for that character. A good continuation of the of the M and M's Incorporated Cinematic Universe. The mm, I see you. Yeah, the mm, I see you. Which is what Red Eminem is terrified of people saying. Exactly. It's really a nightmare that he, he's the protagonist of that whole line of commercials and movies. And so it was a good moment for Danny DeVito to be like, do you want to eat me? And of course, I mean, no offense to... He's a great actor. Yeah, wouldn't want to eat him, though. Would not want to eat him. M- mainly because he's human. Yeah. I mean, you can say that about a lot of people, like... Really good actor. Wouldn't want to eat Peter Dinklage. Wouldn't want to eat Peter I would Peter not Dinklage. want to eat Peter Dinklage. And that, I don't mean to offend him. I, I, I wouldn't want to eat uh, Jeff Goldblum or uh, Tracy Morgan. Yeah. Either of those two people. But Ryan Reynolds, though. Great actor. Woody. I, I might... I might... I might sneak a bite. I uh, might sneak a bite. 15 retweets. Just 15 more retweets. And then we could carve off a piece of that sweet Ryan Reynolds. If we're too overt with it... He might not want to come on the show. Uh, don't worry, I'll, I'll just edit out all the references where we talk about our secret desires to devour him. Not devour, I just want a bite. Just yeah. a taste, a little taste. Yeah, an aperitif. Yeah. A little uh, bit of calf. Some of his teeth, you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a pair of his teeth. For a necklace. So I think the takeaway from this year's batch of Super Bowl commercials is that sex no longer is selling. Yeah. And then that's that's pretty obvious. And that's good. Well, eh, I, I won't go that far. Well, I think downplaying objectification of any person, any type of person, is overall a good thing. Yes, good. Uh, also not selling is this weird half-virtue sig- signaling half-advertisement thing. Yes, good. Good that, that, good that people are like, come on, MLK trucks. Well, it, it's like... At the end of the day, it's a truck company. Mm-hmm. I don't care about their opinions on anything. I mean, I don't think the I don't think that uh, Budweiser self-aggrandizing or giving people water, being decent humans about it, is going to make me buy more Budweiser. It was really cool of them to do that to do the water thing. Yeah, until they made a commercial about it. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, the only reason I volunteer or do anything altruistic is so that I can sell my shit. I, I mean, that would be like, we would, vo- we would volunteer for something like Habitats for Humanity and then say, you know, oh, but we have to plug our podcast while quoting Mohammedus Gandhi. We have to write it on the walls of this Habitat for Humanity. Exactly. I, we, will, we will put up this installation, but only if we can carve zero credits as sponsored by Mohammedus Gandhi on the, uh, I guess... The out-facing wall? Because otherwise yeah. they wouldn't see it. Yeah, you can't put it on the inside. That's where you put your hexes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the third the third lesson that I teach you before I turn into a force ghost is that humor, at the end of the day, is the most successful component of advertising. And until companies learn that, they're just going to keep failing. Yeah, humor, humor is what sells. Because humor is at the heart of everything we want, which is its vulnerability and creativity together. Yeah. If you can be vulnerable enough to put yourself out there and try something humorous, then maybe your product is worth buying. I don't know the correlation, but maybe that's true. Maybe we keep, we were going to go out and buy Tide pods and eat them. Yeah, just eat them. And then we'll be extremely vulnerable, for we will be dead. 
you know, I wonder if there's like a correlation there. Because I mean, what what is our interaction with people in everyday life if not marketing? We market ourselves every day with how we present each other. Vanity is necessary. I mean, if that's true, I'm not doing a great job because I haven't cut my hair in a year and a half and my teeth are not in great, the greatest shape. So I'm not doing a good job advertising myself and I hate the idea of advertising myself. But you do make yourself, I mean, if you make yourself vulnerable, maybe people will buy what you're selling, which I, is yourself. I mean, you're I, selling yourself. I put, I put my ideas and opinions out there for dozens of people to listen to and critique. See, that's maximum vulnerability. Is it? So people will buy it. Maybe. But are we funny? Are we funny? Oh. We're sure as hell not cool. <laughs> Good point. Uh, so other Super Bowl news moving away from the advertising game. Uh, this the Super Bowl, one of the lowest ratings in a long time. It's one of the, and it was one of the better ones I've seen. Yeah, it was a good game. It was fun to watch. I don't want to talk about the game, but it was a good game. Two things happened that I want to talk about. All right, let's talk about one of them. Okay, first. Uh, oh, the first one. Uh, now this is just me being what I like to call an armchair kicker. Okay. How hard is it to hit a field goal? Those things seem very far apart. <laughs> um, usually when you're kicking a field goal, you want to be like within 30 yards. Yeah. But typically... On each side? No. Because they didn't do that. So wait, what are you asking on each side? Yeah. I was making a joke because they kicked it more than 30 yards away oh. from either side. Kicking is one of the, it's it's a, it's a thankless job because you're expected to kind of just do it on routine, but it's one of the most high pressure ones because if you fuck up, it's just you. Yeah, you're kind of the one guy who has that job. But a weird thing, a weird thing that was happening at least with the Eagles is that they kept getting bad snaps to the placeholder. Oh, the person who holds the ball oh, up yeah. for the kicking. And, and that can affect it's kind of like if you do the same thing a hundred times, but you're aligned on another person, and on the one hundred and first time they use like their left hand instead of their right hand, mm. it can throw off your entire game. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's a difference of like millimeters down there that translates into. And I mean, it's fine. I'm just used to more field goals being <laughs> kicked. There was an inordinate amount of missed kicks, and I really think it's just it was just the pressure was getting to the kickers. Yeah, because once you mess up once. Then you can't, if you mess up again, so much more pressure. It's hard to pull yourself out. And the Patriots kicker, actually, he ended up ending on some good notes with some good uh, kicks. But I, I feel like that Philadelphia kicker was just happy to not be on the field anymore. And the only other thing I noticed is, best thing about it, is Tom Brady missed uh, a pass for a trick play. And there's a picture... From up high of his face, and it's like he's going... Yeah. It's funny, and of course a lot of people cashed in on it. Butterfingers did a tweet saying, hey, thanks for Uh, doing an ad for us. But also the dude's 40 years old and is trying his best. Look, he's one... You can't deny, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks probably of all time. Yeah. And uh, one thing that quarterbacks do is they throw the ball... And they don't catch it. They usually don't catch it. Yeah. And look, maybe maybe the throw was bad. Yeah. Or maybe it wasn't exactly the like on the route that he was used to. He wasn't expecting it to be in that place. Also, I think maybe he didn't want to do that play. There's a lot of factors. 
And at the end of the day, that's not the play that cost them the game. Yeah, some people just don't catch things sometimes. But it's really funny that the, in that one picture, it looks like he's going, Give me, give me, I want the ball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No yeah. judgment on him as a, as a human being because he's oh, a, an incredible specimen. No worries there because he's not human. Oh, you're right. He's a robot that was programmed to play football. And that's why he's, you know, he's struggling with human emotion in that moment. He's like so close to human emotion and, but it, it eludes his grasp. Though I am proud that he did not deploy his go-go gadget legs in that moment and reveal himself to us all. Well, see, that's only fair. Yeah. Uh, also, I said no disrespect to Tom Brady as a as a person. I meant no disrespect to him as an athlete. I don't know if he has like odious political beliefs or anything. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, is I don't. He's on the Patriots, so probably he has odious political beliefs. I don't want to get into this, but you know his 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 uh, nutrition regimen. I do. So just extrapolate. Oh boy, what you read, and, and then you can probably guess. One or two beliefs he has about people. He hates people who are made of gluten. Yes. He can't stand them. Those darn gluten eaters. Glutenites. And so I think it was a pretty successful... Uh, don't read that. That's spoilers. That's a pretty successful Super Bowl, you know, this year. I, I feel like it was one of the better ones. I don't remember last year. And I'm not going to remember this one after, like, two weeks. Yeah, I've already forgotten most of it. I believe the bird people won. The bird people did win, and it was their first Super Bowl ever. Nice. Yeah. Well, Super Bowl win ever? That's what I meant. Oh. Yeah, their first win ever. It's they, the first time anyone in Philadelphia had been to, seen, and won the Super Bowl. They, they've been to it before in like 1963, but they lost. Yeah, and now they won. And now they won. So that, I mean, it's always cool to see a first win. And, you know, Philadelphia doesn't exist anymore as a result, but that's sometimes the price you have to pay to be the best. It's true. I mean, they burn that city to the ground. Sometimes, hey, look, I read the, I read a compendium of the various chants that the Philly fans had. They're great. Oh, the chants? Like the... Yeah. Well, the, there's the old E-A-G-L-E-S chant. Okay, so they just spell out Igles. They just spell out Igles. However, there was a large potted sapling that was knocked over by, uh, celebrants, right? Ce- celebrants? People who were celebrating. Celebrators. Celebrators. Ba- ba- they knocked over a large potted sapling. When? In Philadelphia, after they won the Super Bowl. What about... Okay, so they knocked over a large potted sapling. It was very large. And then police officers and other celebrators ran in to start putting it back up. Which gave birth to the greatest, most inexplicable Philadelphia post-football chant of Fix that tree! Fix that tree! It's real! Fix that tree is real! So... Their celebrations broke something by accident. And then they cheered to fix that tree. Fix that tree. Fix that tree. Is this real? Yeah, fix that tree is totally real. Don't fact check it. But, but no one wrote about it. See, fix that tree. No, this says (laughs) Philadelphia is lighting fires and climbing poles following the Eagles victory. Yeah, but they're also fixing that tree. I'm just going to take your word for it, because I can't find it. Perfect. Oh. So, yeah, you know, in two weeks we won't remember this, 
But you know what we will remember? What will we remember? Our new overlords, John. Oh, the Philadelphia? The Philadelphias? No, even they will be swept up by this new threat to to all mankind. I can't wait. I, I came across a little article. This is what I call a segway. Yeah, segway. Is I, that the name of our new overlords, the segway? No. Oh. Came a little came across a little article in a little a little periodical called the New York Times. You might have heard Ooh, of it. NYT? The NYT. Are you familiar? Maybe not. Who knows? I, I think I've heard a couple of stories about them. And uh, this this one was written by a particular Carl Zimmer. So if you're listening, uh, shout out to you. Carl Zimmer, join us. Talk about your work. <laughs> Retweets. Uh, one retweet and he'll be on the show. Because um, writers are worth nothing. Sean and, White, though, is still 15. Fi- Sean White is busy. John. He's very busy. He's in Sochi? He's in the Olympics. Where is that being held? I don't know. Japan? Okay, he's in Japan, and so he can't, he's not gonna be able to make it. I'm sorry to crush your dreams. It's happy just to be, it's, it's good just to be nominated. Alright. A guy by the name of Frank Lyko, who is a biologist at the German Cancer Research Center, he, he's made a shocking discovery about something they're calling the marbled well, it's spelled crayfish, but I'm going to pronounce it crawfish. We're in the South. The marbled crawfish. And, and John, do you know what's fascinating about the marbled crawfish? Uh, it's made of marbles? It didn't exist 20 years ago. Okay. And it is now so prolific, it can be found from Germany to Japan. Oh, wow. And uh, another fascinating thing about the marbled crawfish, John, they're all female. Wait, what? It is a race, a species, if you will, of female crawfish. How it, how? And, and you know what the particular thing about these female crawfish is, John? Yeah. They're all genetically identical. Uh, hold on. What? They're literal clones of each other. How do they clone each other? It's a mutation. Okay. A mutation that made it possible for the creature to clone itself. And it now has spread across much of Europe and gained a toehold on other continents. And Madagascar, where it arrived in about 2007, it now numbers in the millions and threatens the native crawfish. Oh, Jesus. Somehow, it gets, this, this gets into the, the science of it all. Somehow this crawfish, the mutation left it with both the X and Y chromosomes. Uh huh. To allow it to lay eggs with three copies of those chromosomes. So, so, an XXY, if you will. Yeah, okay. And that, somehow gave it the ability to lay eggs with complete data for offspring. That's insane. It literally just clones itself. That's insane. They're, and, and they've never found, or, or like they didn't, when, when this was first, when they were first studying this, they didn't find any of these crawfish in the wild. Oh, I, I actually think I read about this. Meaning? That- there was a BuzzFeed article that was called Really? Feeling Old Yet? 20 years ago, the marbled crawfish didn't exist, and now they number in the millions from Germany to Japan. Yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> I think I came across that as well. But the implica- implication of finding none of these crawfish in the wild means that it probably they was just a mutation of some German aquarium crawfish that then became they became so prolific and people were dumping them in the river because the, one crawfish would lay hundreds of eggs. And then you get hundreds of identical female crawfish. And so they dumped them in the river or lakes and stuff. And then they just, they kept spreading and spreading. 
And so they're going to take over the world. What are we going to do when every day when we leave our house we have to shovel crawfish off of our porch? I know. I I can't imagine it. Because if every crawfish lays hundreds of eggs of identical crawfish, they're just going to take over. We're going to have to start eating the shit out of some crawfish. (laughs) Uh, The funny thing is, they're so prolific, but... uh, these these scientists who they they've mapped the genome of this crawfish and some other species of crawfish. No one had uh, mapped any crawfish genomes before, so it was difficult for them to map it out. But now they know a lot about crawfish. Well, thankfully, um, it, it, apparently it came from something they call like the the slough crawfish, which is native to uh, Florida. Oh, <laughs> that would make sense. <laughs> Florida and like Georgia, but they're kept as pets. Sometimes. Yeah. And so it was probably a German, like, enthusiast of aquariums got these two crawfish. They mutated somehow. They just got a bunch of eggs. Got a bunch of eggs, and that's what led to it. Um, but, like, one of these scientists who, who were in this study were like, it's really fascinating because they're really great at reproduction. You would think, oh, they've solved it. They've solved, like, the, the whole survival thing. But the problem is they're clones. Yeah. There's no room for evolution. Oh, yeah, they're never going to change. They're never adapting. What if they never need to? I mean, they could be like the crocodile, and they could be the perfect, like, predator. But the fact that they're, like, five inches long, and they can't really threaten humans, that might throw a wrench in their plans. Yeah, but what if these crawfish just, like, zerg rush fish populations? You get 10,000 identical crawfish. I don't care if you're a crocodile. They'll eat you. The funny thing is, sure, okay, they eat all the fish populations, and maybe that, that affects the ecosystem in, in ways that I can't even imagine, but it might also solve a food crisis, because, I mean, we can eat crawfish for yeah, days. surplus crawfish forever. Oh, that's not good for certain religions. Yeah. They're shellfish. Yep. All right, so... Look, the- you got to loosen the purse strings, certain religions. you got to start eating these crawfish. So, what do you think is the biggest threat to this this super, like, Xerox machine crawfish that that is a perfect clone of itself and it replicates like no other animal or no other complex cellular organism that we know. The people of Louisiana. (laughs) It's a great answer. What is it? Disease. Oh, that lays us all low. Yeah, I mean, as soon as as soon as they come across a disease that is really good at killing this crawfish, that's the entire population. They can't. They can't because uh, they'll never get an immunity. They can't adapt an immunity immunity to it because they're identical to each other. Okay, so as once they what they have to do is they have to pilot a jet with a virus with a cold into the crawfish hive. In the words of my generation, up yours. And then the crawfish are decimated. Yeah. Not decimated, destroyed. Yeah, and so I I feel like that's the movie that we pitch to Tom Cruise. Mission Impossible 7, Day of the Crawfish. (laughs) No, it's got to be catchier than that. It's going to be like, Mission Impossible 7, The Crawfish Paradigm. (laughs) The Crawfish Paradigm. And, 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 yeah. And then maybe that's how we become famous. Oh, man, that'd be such a good trailer with him, like, do 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 and then he's, like, sliding under a wave of crawfish. It's like, do 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 and then he's, like, taking a sexy crawfish lady spy out for dinner. Because by the, they can't adapt, though, so it's got to be the same normal size crawfish. It's just the same normal five-inch, but it's got, like, a big wig on it. Okay. 
I, I found that the uh, the paragraphs that explain exactly how they can uh, replicate so well. Do you want me to read that? Yes. All right. Uh, so normal sex cells contain a single copy of each chromosome, but the mutant crawfish sex cell had two. Somehow the two sex cells fused and produced a female crawfish embryo with three copies of each chromosome instead of the normal two. Somehow, too, the new crawfish didn't suffer any deformities as a result of all that extra DNA. Oh, wow. So it's a lot of somehows. It's a lot of, like, you know, you can't really ever explain mutations. Uh Uh-huh. Because they're kind of like God's little miracles. Yay! Um, But it's like the stars aligned for this one particular species of crawfish so that it can replicate on its own. There's no deformations or anomalies and that it's just going to keep doing that until something wipes it out. So if these if these mutations are God's little miracles, would you say that these crawfish are God's chosen people? Yes, obviously. I mean, look, he said we shouldn't eat shellfish. I, and I, 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 that's exactly it. I feel like he was warning the, the early tribes of Jerusalem and what have you to not eat shellfish, shellfish so that his true chosen people could rise... Eventually, over time, literally rise from the seas yeah, in and, mountains and reclaim the land. There was Why a, else would he flood it? There was a time. It's perfect. There was a time when uh, God appeared to the ancient people and he said, "You are my chosen people." And he thought they were talking to them, but he was looking past them at some crawfish on the ground. Yeah, and they were like, "Isn't it weird that he won't make eye contact with any of us?" He keeps. He's like he's like looking at her feet, and they go, "Well, he he works in mysterious ways." Yeah. And meanwhile, the crawfish are like, "We will bide our time." <laughs> That's what they they rub their claws together. <laughs> Do crawfish have claws? They have tiny little pincers. They rub their tiny little pincers together, and then eventually, I mean, a crawfish is basically like a small brown lobster. Okay, yeah. I just forget what crawfish look like. They're just small brown lobsters. They're little bugs. Earth's gonna get eaten by bugs. I think, all right, so remember, remember specifically and personally you, during like the Cro- the Croatian period? Yeah. That's not a real period. The Cambrian explosion? Yeah. Sure. Where dragonflies were like the size of birds? Uh-huh. Do you think crawfish were the size of like small sedans? Probably. That's terrifying and I want to ride one. What if they find that this mutation, they're perfect clones except everyone is slightly larger than the one that came before it. And eventually, we'll, we'll just... Hey, forget forget coal-powered horses. Forget f- fossil-fuel-powered cars. We're just going to ride around on increasingly bigger crawfish. And look, I mean, I, I hate to break it to you, but if you see a future that isn't mankind riding on its nightmare roadways with Cadillac-sized crawfish, I don't know what to tell you, because that's just where it's headed. Yeah, I, and I don't want to talk to you personally, because you're a denier of science. And people really thought that episode of Black Mirror wasn't as... They thought it wasn't as believable as the rest, but... Yeah, but they were wrong. They were wrong. The one with the giant crawfish? Yeah. I've, I've ruined my computer somehow. That's fine. You don't need it. So for those of you who want to check this article out for yourself, uh, the headline is, This Mutant Crawfish Clones Itself and It's Taking Over Europe by Carl Zimmer at the New York Times. Dated February 5th, 2018. Came out today. Oh. Well, yesterday. Oh. Oh. Today's been the... Si- I put 2005... 
Oh, you put 2005 on everything? <laughs> I, I That's put, bad. I put February 5th on so many documents today and nobody corrected me. That's because, who cares, it's February. Oh, man. Yeah, but 2005. What? What about 2005? Huh? You put February 5th, 2005? I'm from the past, man. Hey, man, it's 13 years ago. This crawfish was only seven years old. Oh, God. Wait. Feel old yet? <laughs> John, I, want, I didn't want to reveal this quite yet, but I'm from the past and I'm here to warn us <laughs> about the dangers of this crawfish. In fact, I started this podcast two years ago, almost to the day. We're actually, like, right on our anniversary for the podcast. Hey, congratulations. <laughs> uh, just as a warning for this marble crawfish that's going to take over the world in the past. Uh, so, Henry, I'd like to just tell you something. What's up? Couldn't every living person say, I've come from the past with a warning? <laughs> Look, no, I came specifically... From the past. But no, you could genuinely say that about things. Like, if you had been to a restaurant before that, like, charges you if you ask for more bread, you can run up to someone's table and be like, I come from the past with a warning. They charge you for more bread. And you leave. Generally speaking, you know, just warning people about things... It, it, yeah, but it's more exciting this way. Yeah, if you say, I come from the past with a warning... It's like you're a ghost. Yeah, or like a time traveler. But everyone's a time traveler, and we're traveling the only way it makes sense. Hey, you want to know how you... Wait. Oh, this is great. This is real good. You you want to know how you... Fuck. <laughs> yes? You want to know how you go backwards in time? How do you go backwards in time? You walk backwards. Oh, because you're, like, traveling in time, but you're traveling in space backwards. Yeah. Hey, uh... I tried not to tell it twice, and you you, you mockingly clapped, and you were like, oh, that's great. And so here we are. This whole episode was just, like, pulling crawfish out of a European lake. Hey, and soon enough... Super easy. <laughs> soon enough, we're going to have to be pulling millions of crawfish out of our European lakes. But before that... Before that, if you want to share your apocalyptic visions of the nightmarish future that we're all going to inhabit, filled with crawfish, uh, you can send those visions to our seer board, zcpcwhd on twitter.com. That stands for Henry. That stands for... Zucchini cut precisely cold while hugging Jersey boys. Cold while hugging Jersey boys, much as I am. And you can send us an email at zerocreditsisapodcast at gmail.com. That Gmail inbox isn't full yet. Maybe it never will be. And if you want to reach out to us with unsolicited hosting offers, you can also send emails there as well. Uh, if you want to watch us play video games, we play those on twitch.tv slash zero credits. We were going to stream on Sunday, but then the big game happened, and that's the biggest game live stream of them all. And we are on Facebook. Uh, just search for Zero Credits Facebook. 
God damn it. Search for Zero Credits Podcast on the Facebook search bar. Uh, tell your friends, like, comment, and subscribe on iTunes. Word of mouth is the best way to advertise. Well, we've learned there are two best ways to advertise. One, word of mouth, and two, it's a tight ad. From everyone here at the Crawfish Infested Zero Credit Studios, we'd like to ship the Crawfish in the mouth. It's taking off. Have a good week. <laughs> I, I halfway through that bit, I decided it was dumb and I didn't want to do it. Well, you committed and then you didn't.